road you have. You're now tuned in to Marcus Reyes and just sat back and ready to play. Let me take your thoughts far, far away. Now let's hear what Darvetta has to say. We would be honored if you would join us. What's going on, Far Far Away family? Welcome to Star Wars Audio Archive. So how is everyone doing today? I hope everything is going well on your side of the galaxy. Everything's about the same out here on the Outer Rim. But I do have some exciting news because I've got a thrilling update about the upcoming Disney Plus Ahsoka series. You won't believe what's in store for us. Now here's the inside scoop. During an interview on Entertainment Weekly Dagobah's Dispatch podcast, Natasha Lou Bazzario, the talented actress who portrays Sabrina Rims, spilled some juicy details about her character's mission involving Ezra Bridger. Hold on to your lightsabers because this is going to blow your mind. Natasha revealed that since the events of Star Wars Rebels, Sabine has been completely dedicated to her duty towards Ezra. She has been through so much and her only focus is fulfilling her obligation to her friends. It's incredible to see how Sabine's journey will play out in this up and coming series, which is set to grace our screens in August. But wait, there's more. Natasha also said that Sabine's character arc in Ahsoka is going to be even deeper than what we witness in Rebels. She emphasized that Sabine will face her own demons, internal struggles, and personal growth. It's going to be a crazy and transformative journey for her. I have a feeling that we're in for some incredible character developments and emotional moments. And guess what? With the presence of both Ezra and Anthron in the Ahsoka series, it indicates that the series will continue to plot thread left hanging after Star Wars Rebels concluded. Isn't that amazing? It's like a dedicated continuation of the storyline that I loved. I can already feel the nostalgia and excitement building up. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. But wait, there's still more. The recently released trailer also confirms that Harrison Dula, another beloved character from Rebels, somebody who I truly love, will be joining the fun. The talented Mary Elizabeth Winston will be bringing Hera to life on screen. And here is the interesting tidbit. The older version of Hera will be seen as something of a legend in her own rights among the Rebels. I can't wait to see how her character has evolved over the years. Now there's something that got me pondering. Do you remember Zeb? Well there's a possibility that he might make a cameo appearance in Ahsoka. Why you ask? because Zeb had a brief appearance in The Mandalorian, and knowing how interconnected the Star Wars universe can be, I would not be surprised to see him pop up again. Which this is all speculation for now, but it adds to the extra layer of excitement and anticipation. So it's time to mark our calendars and get ready for an epic adventure. Ahsoka is set to premiere on Disney Plus this August. Okay, now let's get back to Brotherhood, because when we left off last week, Ventress had just revealed herself as a Sith, and we heard the first time that Anakin and Ventress dueled which Obi-Wan had to save Mill from Ventress in the end. So let's jump back into the story and find out what happens next. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Senator Amidala appeared on the shuttle's communication screen, a more formal version of herself, compared with several hours ago when they had interrupted her journey from Coruscant to Naboo. As if her clothes were her armor, her entire demeanor changed with a shimmering dark gray cloak draped over her shoulders and hair molded into an oval metal headpiece. The simple pendant from earlier had been swapped for more ornate jewelry. Though Anakin still carried himself differently when Padme was involved, 
Her subtle glances or the split second lingers disappeared with her more formalized attire. Was this the level of control that came with being queen at a Padawan's age? 3PO and I have processed the data. I've also viewed a recording of Master Kenobi's speech on Kirune Mudia. Obi-Wan, she said, eyes turning to him. I agree with your findings. There is a clear third party here, which puts the entire balance of the galaxy at risk. I will share it first with the Chancellor, then the Senate Security Committee. Palpatine? Obi-Wan asked, a rare slip in his discipline. Anakin turned with a quizzical look on his face, and even Padme's head angled at the question. Is there a problem with the Chancellor? She asked. This was not the right company to question Palpatine. And while the Chancellor steered the Republic through many layers of bureaucratic churn, often toward a more effective society compared with his predecessor, he still operated under a politician's mindset, allowing cultural passions and prejudices to influence his agenda. Something like this needed more objectivity. It is not a problem with the Chancellor or any single individual. Given the nature of this evidence, I feel it best served by being released independently, directly to the public, without the filter of politics. Master Kenobi, I respect your opinion, but this is a matter of security. It must go through Republic channels. And I have known the Chancellor a long, long time. We may not agree on everything, but I know he will give it the appropriate consideration. I trust him, Anakin said, an almost reflexive defense. He's a good man. I've already let his office know that I have an urgent communication for him. As soon as we enter orbit around Naboo, I will present this to him personally. Thank you, Senator, Obi-Wan said, bowing his head. For all of your service. I look forward to seeing you two in person again soon. Me too, Anakin said. Again, his energy surged, and as it did, a small despair crept into Obi-Wan's thoughts. Anakin just couldn't help himself. And didn't that explain everything? Anakin stood up and pointed to the back storage room where Mill rested. I'm going to check on Mill, he said. Maybe try to get some sleep myself. R2, can I trust you to fly the ship? From the cockpit, the droid beeped. Very funny, R2, Obi-Wan retorted. Just because I don't like flying doesn't mean that I'm not capable of it. Then his voice dropped as he glanced back at Anakin, who was checking the control panel one last time. Though I certainly don't mind staying here for a moment. I have to contact the Jedi Council anyway. Obi-Wan waited for Anakin to be out of hearing range to begin the discussion with Yoda, Mace Windu, Kit Fisto, Evan Peel, and the rest of the Jedi Council. And while most of it focused on a chronological recap of events on Cato Neimoidia and the emergence of Asajj Ventress, there wasn't much to say from a strategic perspective. The next step lay in the hands of the Chancellor something that both Yoda and Mei seemed to embrace on the same level as Anakin and Padme. 
There was, however, one further revelation from recent days that needed dealing with. Master Kenobi, more to say, have you? Seconds. They had been mere seconds away from Ketar detonating the final bomb himself. And any sort of emotional entanglements or simple caring could easily pull someone away for those slivers of time. Had those seconds come in another situation? One where Anakin's decision-making might make or break the galaxy? How would his personal feelings interfere? The issue required a confrontation. But as Obi-Wan considered the flickering images of the Jedi Council, he asked himself, should they be the first to know? No. Obi-Wan should speak to Anakin about this before presenting it to the Council. At the very least, he owed that to his former apprentice. Nothing else. We will arrive at Coruscant shortly. Very well. Upon your return, speak to you, I will. Impressive diplomacy, Master Kenobi. Mmm, very impressive. Obi-Wan responded with a simple nod. His mind too preoccupied with the weight of Anakin Skywalker to really consider what Master Yoda's cryptic farewell meant. The image of the Jedi Council faded as he leaned back in the rickety chair, squeaks and squeals coming from its old joints. He listened for noise from the back storage space, and Anakin's deep, muffled voice clearly registered, followed soon by Mill's similarly muffled voice. Their old ship may have been built for hauling deliveries, as privacy didn't seem to be a concern. Obi-Wan shook his head and told himself to be productive at a time like this, at least until a quiet moment with Anakin presented itself. He considered a restful meditation, and though he'd accomplished that in many uncomfortable places before, this particular ship offered enough physical irritants to make that impossible. Instead, he turned on the comm system again, this time tuning into the holonet in case Count Dooku made any sort of public statement about the events of the last day. But the fallen Jedi Master wasn't on the screen when he turned it on. Instead, he took in a quick gasp, one that he really hoped Anakin didn't hear. Because on the screen, the words live broadcast in the upper corner stood Satine Crees of Mandalore. This newly formed Council of Neutral Systems will stand on principles, not violence. For once we commit to violence, we have already lost. The cam hovered close to Satine's face as she spoke from the royal palace on Mandalore. Her purple headdress and swooping neckline of her blue outfit rivaling Padme's in elaborate design. Extremism is rising across the galaxy. It must be extinguished before more lives are lost. There is only one solution for all of us, on all sides. De-escalation. And there is only one path to de-escalation. Refusing to contribute to this war. That line made Obi-Wan sit up. Was she quoting his speech, or was this just the most incredible coincidence? He watched now, previous fatigue traded for a spike in attention, and though she argued against what he lobbied for, she framed it in the most compelling way. 
A statement delivered to urge planets and systems to reconsider their stance on the Clone Wars, no matter what side they were on. War is intolerable. And for those on either side that believe it is the only way, listen to me now. That is wrong. Killing will only beget more killing, and Mandalore will not be a part of it. I know many, many others feel the same way. And they all see how logical peace is. Whoever is out there, whoever is listening, know that the Council of Neutral Systems stands for peace. And we invite all of you to stand with us. The screen flipped over to a Holonet news reporter who promptly began chattering over images of Satine mixed in with Count Dooku, Chancellor Palpatine, and clone battalions. That was Satine Kreese, leader of the Council of Neutral Systems. As the Duchess of Mandalore, Kreese has rejected Mandalore's history of violence for a pacifist movement. And now she is asking others to come along. Is this a reasonable path? Given the terrorist attacks of the Confederacy of Indo- Obi-Wan flipped a switch on the console and the signal faded to black. But her words repeated in his mind. Killing will only beget more killing, and Mandalore will not be a part of it. Even during that brief period together, when Satine's idealism intoxicated Obi-Wan's youthful enthusiasm, she talked of a peaceful Mandalore. Such an idea seemed as impossible as arguing with gravity itself. And yet there she was, organizing entire star systems to join her pacifist movement. Had they run off together, had he left the Jedi Order and she chosen a completely different life, what impact would they have had on the galaxy? And now, because they grew past their feelings and trusted in their paths, she led Mandalore in bold new directions while he sat, newly appointed, in the rarefied air of the Jedi Council. The door to the back jammed halfway across, and Anakin's fingers gripped the edge, pushing it free. Ah, he said, coming out of the back room. The ship is too bumpy to get any rest. I heard you watching the Holonet. Anything interesting happening out there? The opportunity for quiet conversation was here, and he knew exactly what to say, how he wanted to say it. Yet Satine's words jarred him off that path, creating a hesitancy to use the moment presented in front of him. Obi-Wan watched as his former apprentice knelt down to examine the door's sliding mechanism likely already considering all the options he had to fix it. It took a little bit of time and discipline for both Obi-Wan and Satine to find their way. Could Anakin achieve that same maturity? Of all the questions impossible to answer over recent days, this proved to be perhaps the most inscrutable. And inscrutable meant that he would be patient. For now. Nothing important, Obi-Wan said. Now this part had a little more dialogue, more story to give death. We have both Anakin's love as well as Obi-Wan's, but there was not much more than that. A little info and a lot of talking. 
So let's get to the quote of this week, and it comes to us from Walter Elliott. He said, Perseverance is not a long race. It's many short races, one after another. Now, what does that mean? Well, imagine that you are running a really long race. It may seem really tough and never ending, right? But this quote tells us that perseverance is not about running one big tiring race. Instead, it's about breaking the big race into smaller, more manageable races. In life, we face challenges and obstacles that can feel overwhelming. We might have big goals or face really tough situations, but instead of getting discouraged by the size of those challenges, we can take them one step at a time. We can focus on each small race, each little goal we need to achieve. By doing that, we keep ourselves motivated and determined. We don't think too much about the finish line far away. Instead, we concentrate on making progress with each step we take. Every time we complete one of these small races, we feel a sense of accomplishment and keeps us going. It's also important to remember that setbacks and failures are a normal part of life. When things don't go as planned, we don't give up. We learn from those experiences, adjust our strategy, and keep moving forward. It's like we're bouncing back and trying again with a better plan. So the quote tells us that perseverance is about taking things one step at a time. It's about staying focused on the little races that make up the big journey of life. It's about being resilient and not giving up when things get tough. By doing that, we can overcome any challenge and achieve any goals. And I think that's all I got for this episode. Join us next week for part 50 of Star Wars Brotherhood. We hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Audio Archives. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can follow us on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shed and is a production of Pick Film Media and was distributed by Swaycast Networks. This show was produced by Quentin McDaniel. Star Wars Brotherhood was read to you by Jason O'Dagan. Sound designed by Theodore Thompson. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs>